Hello and welcome to COVID Stories, a podcast series regarding leadership following the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, Dallas Emerson, Director of Business Development at the IT Guys. Before we get started, these interviews were conducted during the COVID lockdown and were held over Microsoft Teams. Any sound quality issues are the result of social distancing that we're all too familiar with. If you're listening on our site, we're thrilled to have you, but you might find it easier to listen to COVID stories through iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Joining me today is Tracy Littlefield, president of the Associated Builders and Contractors of Central Texas Chapter. How you doing, Tracy? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Okay, so the first question I ask everybody is, when did you know... When was the first moment that you kind of realized something was going to have to change or that uh, this was not just business as usual anymore? You know, it was that week of, I guess it was March 10th, right? And we knew stuff was going on. Um, we had a our monthly safety meeting with all of our safety managers that week that we always have, a, have uh, via a luncheon at one of our member training centers. And at this meeting, we were supposed to be talking about our upcoming chili cook-off. And, and so that this is a Thursday, and at that meeting, we were distributing information as to the safety protocol that we were adding in light of the coronavirus. And um, we had OSHA uh, folks that, you know, our area OSHA directors were there, and they were talking about what they knew about it so far. Um on that day, there had been no confirmed cases in Austin. And so we were at that day talking about, okay, this is the, this is, you know, the chili cookoff is early April. We're going to do this and this and this in terms of safety protocol. As of right now, this event is on. By the next morning, uh, Austin had its first diagnosed confirmed case. And that event immediately became rescheduled into the fall. Um, we went into, um, at least my brain went into, okay, uh, how are we going to run the office? What about our golf tournament? And I need to start working on a revised budget. So it was less than a 24-hour period where we went into a completely different mind shift. And did you feel like everybody was kind of on the same page, or did you have to kind of, uh, I don't know, shove members or board to, to kind of your, your perspective. It was, it was very interesting. I had some of my board members who work for very large worldwide construction companies. They were the first ones to say, I'm not going to be able to participate at the chili cook-off if you do it, because we've already been told that we can't participate in in-person meetings with more than 10 people. And that was on March 12th. So if you think about how our attitude was then in Texas or even almost in the United States, I took them very seriously because they're global companies. And I know I was like, okay, they must know something that we don't know here yet. So I was listening to them. I had other members who were very nonchalant about it still. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, we'll be done with this soon. Um, So when we, um, let's see. So it was the, the 16th, that Monday, that following Monday, I brought the staff in. We had our staff meeting and I said, all right, we're going to, we're going to work from, we're going to work remotely. Basically there will be no in-person meetings 
And I only, and I basically said through the end of the month and then we'll see how it goes. Um, so we all kind of got ourselves prepared to work remotely. Our office manager, um, stayed here and she's been coming in every day with the door locked, um, kind of holding down the fort here in the office. I mean, she's as safe here as she is at home because we have no visitors. So, uh, got the word out to our members relatively quickly, uh, told our board what we were doing and they were supportive of that. Most of their offices were in the process of becoming remote work environments. Of course, their field projects aren't. And, um, we, in my opinion, it just in light of what we do as an association, the quicker I could make a decision and decide what to do with this office, the faster I could get to work advocating for my members because I knew this was going to turn into um, a, a really time-consuming effort <laughs> to help our industry um, keep going through this time. So, What was the uh, driving force behind still maintaining a presence in the office? Our office manager, she is really more equipped to operate here, um, even just in terms of her IT setup here. Um, all of her materials are here, and she is just more comfortable being in an office environment. She also lives about five minutes from the office. So when I first presented it to the staff, and we're also fortunate that we have a small staff, um, I, I didn't have a lot of staff to have to deal with. So small staff. And I said, listen, we can take turns for the next couple of weeks with like one person coming into the office. And then, you know, another person can come the next day just to have a presence here to let people know what's going on, answer the phone, you know? And she said, no, I'm happy with continuing to to come in. Uh, So the rest of us went remote. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit about this before we got on, but do you feel like the mentality at all is shifting either in your organization or for your members or the association world in general from a, okay, let's get through today to now kind of thinking about what are we going to do tomorrow? Do you feel like there's a mentality shift going on? Yeah. And I think, you know, for the last five to 10 years, there's been a mentality mentality shift in the association world staying relevant in a, you know, changing environment with new generations coming in. Associations aren't what they used to be. And I think we've done a good job. And, you know, the road to relevance and all that is really helpful. Here we are again talking about, you know, if you are an association that is 100% event driven, what are you doing now? You know, you've got to figure out new ways to stay relevant to your members. Um, for us, you know, because like most trade associations, we were founded on advocacy. We went back to that basic. All we were doing was advocacy and communication. I've never talked to so many members who used to be way too busy to talk to me, <laughs> who were calling me, uh, help, you know, <laughs> what do we do? And it was great that we were there and that they knew we were there and that they still relied on us and looked to us as a guiding force for them. They still trusted us to be their advocate and their voice, whether it was at City Hall or at the governor's office or at um, 
you know, OSHA, wherever it was, it, it was um, really nice to know that we were still considered such a strong advocate for their industry because, quite honestly, that's what we were founded on. But you get lost, you know, other things get it suddenly it becomes, you know, you're only as good as your last golf tournament. <laughs> so it was refreshing and um, it's kind of nice to get back to that. It's it's interesting. I've kind of heard a similar story from a few other people, uh, which to me uh, makes it a little bit more silly to think that 501c6s were left out of PPP. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> at a time when maybe... I've seen more engagement for associations than really any time I can think of other than, you know, here in Texas, every two years we have our legislative session. Right, right, but, exactly. You know, this is this seems to me, this crisis seems to be the perfect moment for us to rely even more on membership organizations than ever before. Somebody yeah. who can disseminate information both from lawmakers and, you know, city officials to our members mm-hmm. and from the members to those Lawmakers and city officials say, this is what we need. This is what's happening. This is what we can do. Right. And it's, so, I, yeah, it, go ahead. Oh, what I was also going to say is, or I want your, your opinion on this. For some associations, you know, they're worried that there's going to be the obvious short-term economic calamity, which is going right. to probably do damage to their membership. But they think that in the long term, this might lead to an increase in participation an increase in membership because of the value they're bringing. Do you see something like that happening? Yes. And in my experience before in economic downturns in, in the association business, a lot of times um, you do increase your membership because a, a, a company finally gets to the point where they just need all the help they can get. And where they thought they could do this on their own, they realize um, they need to be with a bigger voice. So that's great. Getting back to the PPE, what I found was, or PPP program, what I, what I found was interesting was because we worked so hard to get our industry con, uh, deemed essential in Austin and Travis County, that we were therefore deemed an essential service. So we we're expected to keep working as well. Um, but you're still, you know, whereas we don't have a project to complete and get paid on, you know, we're waiting on our members to renew their dues. Uh, luckily, we've gotten through most of our dues renewals for 2020, but you're, you know, you need to stay in front of it for 2021. And I think that's when a lot of 501c6s could really use um, some of that PPP assistance. So maybe in the next round, we can get included if we continue to advocate for ourselves. But I, I did think that was interesting. Um, in terms of membership, yeah, I think we have been able to show more value to our members than ever before, but everybody's got a short memory that our renewal season starts in October. Are they going to remember, you know, everything they did? Am I literally going to have to write them a letter and say, if you paid a lobbyist for what it took for me in a two week period of time to keep your doors open and keep your projects going, it probably would have cost you $10,000, which is far less than the annual dues you pay. Uh, you know, I don't know. We're, we're going to have to get that specific, but um, we've shown an awful lot of value. So we hope that they remember that in October. We hope we can continue that. And um, there will st- there are still a lot of issues in play where, you know, our association, as well as 
most other trade associations will continue to be uh, very important to their members. So, you know, we'd already mentioned this a little bit earlier that uh, you've seen a shift in focus from doing education toward primarily um, working on advocacy in the short run. What other changes do you see for ABC in the future, even in a, I don't know how long it'll be till a post-COVID world, but till a post-crisis world? Right. Post-crisis is a good way to put it. Well, interestingly enough, this year we were poised to launch a couple of new apprenticeship programs for our plumbing trade and our mechanical trade. And, you know, historically, traditionally, those programs are taught in person. So an apprenticeship, just by nature of what it is, uh, one of our members would hire someone uh, who's, you know, relatively new to the trade, maybe coming out of high school, coming out of the military, what have you. And um, they want a career in plumbing. They want to be a plumber. So they're hired to work for one of our members during the day, and the member pays for them to take a class at night, this apprenticeship class. And it's a four-year program, right? So you're earning and learning. Um, and then throughout that process, their wages are going up and they're receiving lots of rewards and benefit from their employers. It's really, a, a, you know, apprenticeships are great programs. So we were poised to get those launched this fall. Um, now, so, so what I'm looking at is, do we just go online and do this? Do we not even start these in person? Do we just take a new model and say, we're only doing online apprenticeship programs from now on and figure out a way to, to make the hands-on learning happen creatively. And I've seen some some creative ways to do that. You know, maybe, and, and that's what we're looking at, instead of trying to wait until we can launch it in person. Um, that's a consideration, and that might be a consideration for a lot of the other training that we conduct. Who knows? Um, so those are some of the things that we're talking about. Okay. And before we got online, you had mentioned that your, your organization has been involved in distributing PPE. Uh, So what's that kind of been about? How, how did you get in that and what does that look like? Well, it was, it was so funny and interesting because right away the medical um, industries reached out to construction and said, we need your PPE. Like we need help. We need masks. We're short and, you know, as we all know, the hospitals had a severe shortage of PPE. Um, so they reached out to construction and we kind of tried to help. And then suddenly we realized we don't have enough PPE. So everybody's trying to get masks and, and, and N95 masks and gloves and disinfectant and hand sanitizer. And I mean, it goes on and on. And these are things that we need daily on our work sites. There are no more hand washing stations to be rented uh, in the state of Texas. And that ended a long time ago. Um, so we found a, a pretty good source uh, and are just kind of opened it up to our members and said, let us know if you need to order anything. Uh, we placed a huge order uh, with this company, and we're we're getting it in piecemeal because some of it does have to come from China. 
Um, we're trying to source it from outside of China, if possible, just because of the delays. Um, but our members are happy to get it when they can. Um, so we didn't do go into it as a moneymaker at all. Uh, I think we marked it up just to cover our cost of the credit card processing fees. <laughs> and um, so, you know, we've, we've got a few members coming today to pick up some of their orders that just came in. Um, that is not a business we want to stay in. That is not what we do. We're not good at it. Uh, we, we made it happen, but, you know, we're in a, we're not, in a different business. It's not where you want to live. No, not where we want to live, and it's not sustainable for us either. Uh, but it did help our members get through kind of that crisis period of that glut of not being able to find anything. Um, it did help that quite a bit. So we were able to provide a service. Um, and, and in the meantime, they've been able to go back to some of their regular um, sourcing companies, and, you know, they're back on track with them. So, Well, very good. So to kind of, uh, I guess, walk back a little bit, we were talking earlier about you, you made the decision to go remote. How did that transition for your organization go? <laughs> it, um, it wasn't bad. Um, I, you know, we're a very communicative office. And so, um, I, we have 69 ABC chapters around the United States. And so the, the chapter presidents, we were all getting together on regular conference calls to write, well, what are you doing and how are you doing it? And, and all offices were operating differently, just depending on their market, their members, uh, what they do, you know, what the, t- the types of things they do at, the, at their offices. Um, and again, because we're small, we were a little bit more nimble. Um, I'm lucky to have a staff that is uh, flexible and self-disciplined and can make it work, um, you know, on their own. They don't, they don't need too much structure, but we do have daily Zoom calls for, for us. We get together and kind of talk about, you know, what's on everybody's agenda for the day, what they need help with, uh, because we are communicative. And as a leader, you also have to understand your staff is going through a difficult time. You're going through a difficult time. Your staff is going through a difficult time. Their spouses might be losing their jobs. Um, their children might be losing their jobs, you know. So I think for us just to be able, you know, a lot of those daily meetings, we're just talking about like, what do you think is going to happen? And what are you hearing? And what's going on? And, <laughs> you know, um, it just helps. It's kind of cathartic, I guess, um, because it is challenging for all of us. So it's not just about maintaining the daily operations, but also about maintaining morale in the organization. Morale, total human health. I want to, I want to see their faces and see if I can see if anybody's struggling. And it's hard. It's, 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 people's psyches have been affected by this, you know, and we have to keep that in mind as association leaders, our, our members. Nobody's going to come out of this the same. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's very, it's fascinating, scary, interesting, frustrating all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't want to get, uh, too particular. I don't necessarily want you to out anybody or anything like that, but 
Have you had any cases where you felt like, okay, I really need to talk to this staff member because they really do seem like they're going through, this has been more intense for them than maybe another one? Yeah, I've seen a couple of, um, what do you call it, some cracks here and there. And so it's just a separate, hey, let's hook up one more time. I've got one more question for you. And then just chat, you know, um, hey, how are things going? And let me tell you where I'm at because uh, I'm not doing great either. And, you know, it's okay to feel this way. And, oh, my gosh, yeah, you know, um, I just think that helps people to – and I'm not doing it because I'm their boss. I just, you know, we all need to talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, because we're all trying to hold it together and <laughs> do the professional thing. And thank God we that we all have jobs. Yeah. You know, and, and can stay busy during the day. Um, but it's it's a challenge. So yeah, we've had a few check-in calls. If I kind of sense that things are getting a little bit shaky for somebody. Okay. And I imagine that's a really hard, fine line to walk because so often leaders want to, especially in a crisis, you want to project calm, yeah. uh, cool, and I know where we're going. Everything's going to be okay. But at the same time, you want to be vulnerable and let people right. know, look, not everything is perfect. Do you right. find that's a hard line to walk? A little bit. I would say to my my board, uh, it's yeah, calm, cool, decisive confident that's the way to go um because you know the board's not asking how we're doing i mean they are but they've got their own staff to worry about so um but in terms of the staff i think it is important just to say man this this sucks (laughs) hard let's we're all human beings here like this is really hard and um but it's going to be okay and let's find some amusing, you know, stories to tell too. Let's, let's talk about some of the funny stuff that we see going on and uh, share some of those stories as well. You know, just even if it's darkly humorous, <laughs> let's laugh about it. <laughs> A little bit of gallows humor never hurt. Exactly. <laughs> so what has been the hardest and the easiest part of this whole transition to working remotely, leading remotely for you personally? For me personally, um, I think, you know, the easiest part has been knowing that uh, my staff really had this. Um, I didn't have to set a lot of, like, these are the rules and these are the guidelines and this is how you work from home and this is how you work independently. We already had that down. And I knew that I could, you know, trust them to to do what they needed to do to to get their jobs done and move forward and you know um so but I, you know I think the hard part has been um making sure that our leadership my board leadership is um okay and staying engaged and that's been difficult because um not hearing from some of them as much. And I know they're really busy with what's going on with them themselves professionally and, you know, personally. A lot of them have small children who are not in school right now. And, um, you know, they've, they've got a lot of issues going on. And so where's the fine line between kind of taking up too much of their time um, and 
not taking up enough of their time. So I try to communicate with them, you know, electronically quite a bit, send them documents, let them know what we are doing. I mean, right away we created a worst case scenario budget. I created a crisis cash flow forecast. We loosened up a little bit of the reserves just in case we needed any something to be liquid. Um, and we did that right away and got their blessing on that and just communicated what we were doing. So I think, um, I think they have a good understanding that we're handling this okay. We're handling, handling this in a way that, you know, is good for the chapter. Um, but just trying not to bother them too much. Um, some of them I'm hearing from a lot just because of the advocacy work that we're doing and that they need help with some things that are going on in their projects and all that. Of course, we're, we're available always to our members and leadership and all that anytime. So. Okay. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been a bit of a mixed bag and in particular, it sounds like the, the board leadership, I can't even imagine what it must be like for them right now trying to lead construction organizations and participate in this. So for, for ABC, uh, has COVID-19 brought about any changes and you, you maybe hinted about this, uh, this a little bit earlier. Has, has it brought about any changes for the better that you might actually want to maintain after this? Um, for ABC, I think, yeah, I think that we will probably do more virtual, um, forum type meetings because we seem to have a better turnout. <laughs> Now, people are going to get tired of that, and the pendulum will swing back, and they're going to want to do stuff in person again. But um, I think that we will rely on uh, technology a little bit more and not be so locked in with just um, sort of a, it's either a conference call or it's uh, in-person meeting. Um, you know, the Teams, Microsoft Teams and Zoom and you know all that has really opened our eyes to that there's a lot of possibilities here. Um, so I think that we will maintain a, a sort of a balance with some of that and incorporate some of that into what we do. Um, we also became a lot more robust on our website and I think that we'll maintain that. So yeah, there, there have been some positives. Our communication, uh, efforts, of course, escalated and you know, we never try to, we never want to over communicate with our members, um, in terms of just so that they just start deleting what they receive. I, I'm very guilty of that. I belong to a gazillion organizations and the ones that send me something every day, it doesn't get read anymore. You know, maybe for the first few weeks or a couple of months that I'm engaging with them. But if it's every day, I'm, I'm not looking at it. So. Um, we have escalated our communication to our members, but we've also tried to uh, maintain relevance and um, and keep it organized. Uh, and I think that we'll probably, you know, continue with some of that. Um, I developed some some new ways of just communicating directly with our executive level members because they really needed to hear some of the stuff that was going on, um, you know, behind the scenes at the city and at the state level. And they they responded just amazingly to that, and so we'll keep doing that. <laughs> Hopefully, we won't be in crisis mode, and they won't be in a panic. And and uh, but we'll we'll keep finding ways to communicate at that level as well. Okay. So during this time, 
how do you set expectations for your staff, your members, your board when we never know what to expect? <laughs> yeah, right. When you don't know what to expect, how do you set expectations? Um, with our staff, it's um, it's really been just those daily calls and staying on track with the projects that we have teed up. So the agenda doesn't change a whole lot. It's so the staff knows that they're accountable every day. And, um, you know, with my membership director, it is still like, how many calls have you made? <laughs> we're still in the business, you know, and we're so we've provided a lot of value to our members. So we're still in the membership business. So let's, you know, and, and I think, um, just reminding them that of that, that kind of accountability and I'm with, I'm here for you. And I know you can't go see them in person. I know you don't have a lot of events to invite your prospects to, but we've created a lot of online webinars and we're still doing a lot of uh, lunch and learns and education and forums and communication, you know, things like that. So there are things that we can invite our prospects to. So that's been, you know, pretty easy. I, I think in terms of how we um, plan for the future, it helps to be decisive. And so what I've tried to communicate to the board is here's what phase we're in. Um, and then by the end of the month, we're going to be in a new phase. Of course, it all hinges on if things changes, um, if, if things change at the city level, you know, uh, mandates come into play or, or, you know, self distancing requirements change, then, then, or social distancing requirements change, whatever. If things like that change, then of course we have to adhere to that. But here's where I'm at. You know, here's where the chapter's at. Here's what we're looking at without trying to uh, be a fortune teller, you know, trying to stay realistic. I'm not looking, I'm not trying to let them know, like, long term what I think what I'm seeing. I'm trying to keep it into, like, one to two month chunks of where I think we'll be. Um, and they seem to be responsive to that. They, that seems to, you know keep them in a pretty good place because we can't predict if we're going to have our big banquet in October. We're still scheduled for it. You know, <laughs> um, we don't know. And we haven't started talking about if we have to cancel it yet, but here's when we will start talking about that, you know, so that at least they know we're thinking about all of these different variables and outcomes. In the meantime, we budgeted for zero events. Right. Which means okay. zero income. And kind of, hopefully kind of that's not the case. case. Yeah. I mean, it truly was a worst case scenario. How, what does that look like? You know? And I know well, it's such a, it's such a scary thought for so many associations. So many of them have their big banquets and things like that in the fall, late yep. fall, early winter. Absolutely. And that's when everybody's worried we'll see that second spike. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so for you, for your staff, do you feel like they are champing at the bit to kind of get back to normal, get back to the office, or are you on the side where you're worried it's going to be hard to get them back in regular working order? I think uh, there's a little bit of both. And again, I keep going back to that we're small. We also have the old school office of like where we each have an office. And so we've we're already social distanced. Um, so. I think the staff itself is ready to get back and interact. Now, are we ready to bring some of our classes back that are here, you know, all week 
our OSHA classes that are being taught in, in the back of our office and our training center, we're not so sure about that. And so we're putting some policies in place to keep control over those classes because for me, my biggest concern is to protect our staff. Um, and so we're, we're talking about, you know, what does that look like? Uh, if we bring the classes back, um, we've got a pretty good I- idea, but there will be a lot of policies in place surrounding the classes themselves and how do we operate in that world. Um, so if a staff member is not comfortable being in the office during those times when the classes are going on, we'll have to look at making accommodation for them, whether it's, you know, they continue to work remotely. Um, that could be a possibility. And if they are comfortable, we will have policies in place. We will have very strict adherence to the guidelines and, um, you know, we'll do everything possible um, to maintain, you know, safety, cleanliness, make sure everybody's going home safe at night and not sick. Okay. Safety, cleanliness, not sick. Exactly. (laughs) There's so much I want to get into there, but I want to be respectful (laughs) of your time. Sure. So I have two more questions for you. Okay. So what does, in your opinion, a new, I I hate the term, but I don't have a better term yet. So what does a new normal look like for membership-driven organizations? I think I think a lot of it stays the same uh, in terms of value. Um, you know, we have a lot of ABC chapters do uh, are relied upon to provide a lot of craft training, you know, training people in the trades through apprenticeship programs and craft training programs. And we continue to do that, whether it's online or in person in the traditional way. Um those classes will just look different and there will be different protocols in place for adhering to safety guidelines. Um, what we see in construction, for instance, there's a lot of safety protocols that have been put into place in order to uh, stay, keep these projects going that those, that's not going to go away. It's, it's actually good stuff and it's working. Um, so I, I think associations will maintain relevance are we going to see, I don't know about conferences, you know, is, will those look different? A friend of mine works for a large state association here and their conference had to be canceled immediately when this started, which is a huge portion of their budget. And they were so nimble and creative and flexible that they took it to a 100% online conference, uh, which cost them a lot more money actually. And, um, yes, but the sessions are recorded. Um, there is still CE credit, you know, being given. And so the revenue stream doesn't end when the conference is over. The revenue stream continues throughout the year as people purchase the classes that were taught because they, they need to get their CE credits. Um, so, the, I mean, there are ways to do this. And I think that associations are going to have to stay very nimble and creative. Either you succumb to this or you figure out how to operate in a new world. You know, it's pretty simple. (laughs) It's simple, but not easy. But not easy. But let's get creative, you know. Yeah. So on that creativity note, 
if you could offer any other executives, grizzled veterans, total newbies, and, and everything in between, if you could offer them any advice about how to prepare for the coming days, what would it be? Be, be decisive, or at least look decisive. <laughs> Give the appearance of being decisive and stick to your decision. They are your leadership and your teams, your, your staff. They are looking for you to say, this is what we're going to do. And then next month, this is what we're going to do. Whether it's even just, we're going to evaluate this. And then based on that evaluation, this is what we're going to do, but have a plan and, and stick with your decision because that's what folks are looking for. Okay. Be decisive or at least look decisive. That's right. I love, Fake I, it don't, I don't know the better way that I could end that. <laughs> Tracy, thank you so much for your time. It's been a great conversation. I probably could have talked to you for another few hours about everything <laughs> going on. And well, it's been it. cathartic for me too. So thanks. <laughs> I really appreciate. It. You bet. Good to see you, Dallas. Good to see you. Bye. Thank you for listening. I'm Dallas Emerson with the IT Guys, and this has been COVID Stories. I'd like to remind listeners that you have a COVID story, and we want to hear it. Send me an email at dallas at itguysusa.com and let's set up a time to talk about your COVID story. Your story may be just the thing someone needs to hear. Thanks again.